you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 55 of the Banner Banner Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Thank you for serving our country and keeping us free every single day, whether it's currently or in the past or previously. Whatever the, whatever the saying may be, thank you for your service. We really and truly appreciate it. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. You can also email me at BannerBanterPodcastGmail.com. I am sure you are listening to the podcast on a fine podcast application like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, whatever the case may be. Now, what a weird week for the Boston Celtics. It was absolutely unbelievable and then absolutely heartbreaking. I really don't know how to explain it. They go out, they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland, 119-113. Then they go to Charlotte, and they beat the Charlotte Hornets, 108-87. to Then they go to San Antonio and beat the San Antonio Spurs, 135-115. to So they go 3-0 and on their road trip. They've won seven straight games. They are now 7-1. and one. They are currently first overall in the Atlantic Division. They are also first overall in the Eastern Conference, and technically they have the best record in the NBA right now. It is Monday. What's going on? I think the, the Hornets lost to the 76ers yesterday, so that means the 76ers beat the Hornets. The Nets got absolutely wiped by the, by the Phoenix Suns. And as I'm recording this, because it is about 12.20 a.m. on Monday morning or Sunday night, whatever the case may be, the Toronto Raptors are playing the Los Angeles Lakers. What do the Celtics have this upcoming week? They have two home games, two road games. They're playing the Dallas Mavericks on Monday night, 7.30 at TD Garden. And then on Wednesday night, also a 7.30 game at TD Garden, is against the Washington Wizards. Is against. That's not even a saying. The <laughs> that is not even a saying is against. Anyways, and then they start their five-game road trip out in Golden State. They play the Golden State Warriors, the Sacramento Kings, the Phoenix Suns, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Denver Nuggets, and then come back and play the Kings again. And we're going to break all that down and recap the upcoming games in this episode of the Banner Banter Podcast. But first, let's start off with our favorite segment, the stud and dud of the week, And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Alrighty, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week, the stud, it's going to be Gordon Hayward. Duh. Who else would it have been? 
Gordon Hayward matched his career high in points, 39 points, on Tuesday night in Cleveland where he had that horrific injury. I have never been so happy for a basketball player in my entire life. 39 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, and he became the first player to go 16 and or 16 for 16 inside the three-point line since some guy named Wilt Chamberlain in 1967. You ever heard about Wilt Chamberlain? He's pretty freaking good at basketball, or was pretty. I bet you he still is pretty freaking good at basketball. And then Gordon Hayward's like, all right, you think that 39-point performance was pretty cool? I'm going to go down to Charlotte. I'm going to be a plus 20. I'm going to have zero turnovers and drop 20 points, have 10 rebounds, and six boards. In Gordon Hayward's first two seasons with the Boston Celtics, I understand one of them, he was injured. He has never recorded a 20-point and 10-rebound game. He has now done that twice in the last 10 days or less than 10 days. That's incredible. Gordon Hayward is back, or so we thought. <sighs> Gordon Hayward was playing so well and doing so many great things. He, like going into this, going into the Spurs game, he scored 20 points or more in four out of the seven games for the Celtics. So Gordon Hayward was a huge part, or is a huge part, of this Celtics win streak. They're seven and one. They've won seven games in a row. It's absolutely incredible to see. And the thing that I feel like people aren't talking about is the fact that some of the things Gordon Hayward is doing right now makes you kind of think about forget about Al Horford. Not Al Horford defensively, but Al Horford offensively. Gordon Hayward is getting about seven or eight rebounds a game. Al Horford would get about that many as well. So the production kind of matches up. Gordon Hayward is distributing the ball better than Al Horford did. Al Horford didn't really score a lot of points. And this makes me sound like I'm bashing Al Horford. But, you know, Al Horford would get you 13, 7, and 4. 13 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, and be your defensive leader. And that stuff doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And that stuff goes a long way. But Gordon Hayward is filling the stat sheet, which is something that we always wanted Al Horford to do. Because we always thought that Al Horford could be an 18-10 and 10 guy, a 20-10 and 10 guy every single night. But Gordon Hayward has been doing that so far. But in the second quarter of that San Antonio Spurs game on Saturday night, or Saturday afternoon, I should say, he was trying to run through a screen that LaMarcus Aldridge set, and he broke or fractured his hand. A lot of people are saying it's the bone right underneath your ring finger. It's called a boxer's fracture, and he could be out three weeks. If he needs surgery, it might be quicker. Who knows? But... Let's try and break this down because obviously it broke my heart seeing how well Gordon Hayward was playing. Gordon Hayward was officially back, and then for him to have to go through this, physically he's going to be fine. It's his non-shooting hand, so he'll still be able to work out. He'll still be able to shoot the basketball around. He'll still be able to play all of his video games. It's just unbelievable that he's finally back and he has to go through a mental challenge again of coming back from the injury. So... Let's say Gordon Hayward does come back in three weeks, okay? That means he would be back for the Miami Heat game on December 4th and the Denver Nuggets game at TD Garden on December 6th. And I'm saying, you know what? Give him that extra week. This 7-1 start is a blessing in disguise. So bring him back December 9th against the Cleveland Cavaliers at TD Garden 
day off. Then they play the Indiana Pacers on the road. Then they come back and play the Philadelphia 76ers at TD Garden, which would be a huge, huge game. And then they have five days off. They have the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th off before they fly to Dallas for one game. So I feel like if you don't need to rush Gordon back, let's not rush him back, but let's make sure he's ready to go and has a couple games under his belt before that very, very important Philadelphia 76ers game. Because right now you you have a two-game lead on the Philadelphia 76ers. But during this time that Gordon Hayward's out, if the Celtics you know lose a couple games, the 76ers go on a winning streak or even the Raptors too you have a tiebreaker against the Raptors but you don't have the tiebreaker against the 76ers so that's going to be tough so with that being said if you look at the schedule you figure let's say they beat the Mavs they beat the Wizards they beat the Warriors they beat the Kings but they lose to the Suns they lose to the Clippers and they lose to the Nuggets so that means they go four and three in that stretch Okay, and that's fine. So they're now 11 and 4. Still pretty good. Then they beat the Kings again, which would bring them to 12 and 4. Then they beat the Nets at TD Garden the night before Thanksgiving. But then let's say they randomly lose to the Nets. Okay, so now they're 14 and 5, or whatever the case may be. Then they play the Knicks. That's a win. 15 and 5. And then the night, the. Let's say they beat the Heat but lose to the Nuggets. They could be like 15-7 and seven by the time Gordon Hayward comes back. Somewhere in that range. Like right now they're 7-1 and one and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah, if, if they could be 14-7, and 15-6, even 13-8 I would accept as long as they don't as long as they have a winning record for the most part, if they go 6-6 six and six over these next 12 games, I'm kind of content with that. You know, I it's fine because you're still in good shape because the Eastern Conference is a mess right now. Like, the Hornets are the 8th seed, and they're like 4-5. and five. They literally have a losing record. So this 7-game win streak is going in some weird, twisted world is really going to help the Boston Celtics recover from the Gordon Hayward injury. So that was probably the longest stud of the week in the 55-episode history of the Banner Banter podcast, but we had to go to a deep, dark hole. So Gordon, come back strong. Stay healthy. We all got your back. We got you. I promise, I promise, I promise. All right. And And the dud of the week, I had a whole segment. I had a whole bit about it, but it just didn't really work out, and I'm a little frustrated by it, but... Romeo Langford is going to Maine. He got demoted to he literally got sent to Maine because he wasn't playing that well in practice. He wasn't getting playing time as the 14th pick, as a lottery pick in the NBA draft. And I know it takes time, blah 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 blah. But he did play in Maine, or I'm sorry, play for the Maine Red Claws, and he scored 27 points. The Maine Red Claws scored the most points in their franchise history on Saturday night after the Celtics game, and then got recalled. But he's now probable against the Mavs because he's sick. So if Romeo Langford's going to bring the illness to everyone, that makes him a bigger dud, if you ask me. But Romeo Langford, as you guys know, if you guys think he's good, fine. I completely disagree. If Carson Edwards cannot be getting minutes. Mr. 
everything during the preseason. There is no shot that Romeo Langford is going to get those minutes in any way, shape, or form. Romeo Langford has not done anything to prove to me that he is a lottery pick, and that's why he is the dud. Yes, I understand that is a stretch this week, but, I mean, name someone who hasn't been that great this week. Sure, Carson Edwards didn't shoot the ball that well against the Hornets, but he didn't play a lot against the Spurs, but he went, what, three of four from three against the Cavs, so that was a good game. Javante Green's playing out of his mind. I told you, Javante Green needs to replace semi minutes, and he's been playing great. Grant Williams has been fine. Tatum, fine. Jalen Brown, great. Kemba, great. Tice, fine. Time Lord, super. Like, there's really hasn't been a dud, so... This was a great opportunity for me to bash Romeo Langford a little bit more and to be even more upset that the Celtics took him 14th overall instead of taking Brandon Clark, who's currently, boy, this one's going to hurt. He's playing 23 minutes a game. He's shooting 57% from the field. He has 11 points and six and a half boards on average per game. Now, would he take over Grant Williams' minutes if we took him? Blah, 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 blah. Sure, whatever. But we shouldn't have taken Romeo Langford. We shouldn't have. So you're stud. Gordon Hayward, get better soon. You're dud. Romeo Langford, prove me something. Please, prove me something. Anything. But let's recap the Cavs game, shall we? They won 119-113. to 113. Obviously, Gordon Hayward was the big thing, but how else did the Celtics win this game outside of Gordon Hayward? Uh, a few things. Um, the Time Lord. The Time Lord had a terrific week as a member of the Boston Celtics. He really and truly did. One thing that really stuck out to me, and especially in the Cavs game, and even more so in the Spurs game, is the Time Lord is getting the ball at the top of the key the way Al Horford would. You know, a lot of handoffs, and he is now slowly and surely making the right decisions. Instead of being a robot and just like catching the ball, setting a screen, he's now turning his body. He's literally pivoting his body like it's Ross and friends. Pivot? And then he looks, and he's making some great backdoor passes to some of the guys. I don't want to say it's Al Horford-like, but it's pretty good. But there were a couple in this Cavs game that gave me a little parquet in my pants, if you get what I'm saying. There were some great, great looks. And he's much more active on the pick and roll, and he's much more alert about what's going on. Gordon Hayward got trapped a lot in that second half of that Cavs game, and Gordon Hayward found him. Time Lord was looking for the ball. He wanted the ball, and that was great to see. I was really pleased at how well the Celtics rebounded the ball. Sure, Tristan Thompson still dominate like he always does against the Celtics with rebounding, sure. But the Celtics won the rebounding battle 45-43, to and that was one of the big things that I was nervous about going into the Cavs game. I wasn't nervous the Celtics were going to lose the game, but sometimes when you do get out-rebounded, you get out-hustled, and sometimes things fall the wrong way or don't fall your way, and it didn't happen there. Christian, Christian, Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love combined for 22 rebounds versus their normal average of 28. So that means they cut down the rebounding, and that could have been because of Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart guarded Kevin Love, and he did a great job. And Kevin Love even mentioned it after the game, how hard he works and how tough it is to always play against Marcus Smart because he is literally 110 miles an hour every single time. Now, did Tristan Thompson still get... 13 rebounds overall, sure. 
bound to happen. But overall, the Celtics did a really, really good job rebounding the ball, so I was very, very happy. I was not very happy over the fact that the Celtics kept the Cavs in the game. The Celtics have done a pretty good job of keep of taking care of the ball this season, but they had 14 turnovers in this game to the Cavs' nine turnovers. Usually the Celtics are doing a great job this year, not only taking care of the ball themselves, but also forcing a lot of turnovers, especially like in that Knicks game where they forced, I think it was 24 or 25 turnovers. It might have even been more than 25 turnovers. And then they only had like 10 or 11 turnovers themselves. But... The fact that the Cavs kept care of the ball and the Celtics didn't, the Cavs just kept staying in it, and that's why they only won by six. They should have won that game by 15 or 16 points. It's crazy to think that the Celtics in this game only went to the free throw line 15 times, but the Cavs went 22 times. That shouldn't be happening. The Celtics should be getting to the free throw line at least 20 times a game. I feel like I'm repeating myself from last year. And it's crazy that the Cavs game was the most frustrating game, I feel like, in this road trip with how well Gordon Hayward actually played. It was it was pretty crazy. It really, truly was. They, they literally just couldn't put the Cavs away. The defense in the first half was solid. It really and truly was. And then the second half, it wasn't. They allowed 52 points in the first half, and then they allowed 61 in the second. You should not allow the Cleveland Cavaliers to score 61 points in 24 minutes of basketball. You just shouldn't be able to do it. Yes, I understand that the three-point shooting for the Celtics was very good. Carson Edwards shaved his hair. He shaved all of his hair off, and then he went three for four from three. But going into this game, he was shooting 15.4% from three. Oh, my God. Oh, that gives me a headache. What happened? But if we remember, he went lights out in Cleveland, so maybe he should just you know, if they want to trade us Carson Edwards for Kevin Love straight up, I'm I'm cool with that. Obviously, that's a joke. It will never happen. Money doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. But <sighs> the one thing, you know, even though I, I am complaining for the most part, the Celtics had 12 blocks in this game. And I... <laughs> That doesn't make any sense to me. The Celtics have no rim protection in any way, shape, or form minus the time limit. But Daniel Tice had five blocks in this game. Five blocks. Daniel Tice had five blocks. The Cavs should be ashamed of themselves. How do you get five blocks? How do you let Daniel Tice block you five times? It's absolutely crazy. But a nice win for the Celtics either way. They close it out very well. Gordon, that offensive rebound by Gordon Hayward at the end of the game. Oh, me. Oh, my. Whew. Grab somebody sexy tell him, hey, that was, that was very, very good. Now, I know that I said the word now a lot last week, and I'm working on not saying the word now, and I just realized that I said the word now, so now I'm going to stop saying the word now. You, you know? Cool. Hornets game. Kemba returns to Charlotte for the first time since he left. He played his entire career there. It was a classy video by the Charlotte Hornets. And it almost brought Kemba to tears. It was actually pretty crazy. It It is absolutely incredible how much Kemba Walker meant to the city of Charlotte. The Athletic had a great article about former Hornets players, current Hornets players that have played with Kemba Walker. And every single one of them spoke so highly. And it wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, I enjoyed playing Kemba. You know, no bulletin board material type stuff. This was, I felt like, really genuine stuff. It was interesting to listen to Abby Chin 
interview Kemba's mom. I, I had to think about that for a second. It was interesting that Abby Ch- Abby Chin's conversation with Kemba Walker's mom, I believe in the third quarter, saying how nasty it got. But we re- we really didn't hear that. I feel like Kemba Walker's mom is very upset with the Hornets and the way that they handled everything. It was very, very interesting. Now, oh, I just said now again, you mother effort, Tim. I'm not going to edit that out. But anyways, not only did Kemba play terribly, the other guy playing his old team, Terry Rozier, also played terribly as well. Those two combined to go for 0 for 12 in the first half. Terry Rozier finished 1-11 from, 1 for 11 from the field. A minus 14. Kemba was a plus 20 and scored 14 points. But for those at home, that's a 30. That's 34 points better. There is no way that anyone can miss Terry Rozier. I know there are some Celtics fans out there where the best season of basketball they ever had was with the young guys, Scary Terry, Tatum, Duncan on LeBron, the... Kelly Olynyk game in game seven against the Wizards in round two. All that stuff. And I get it. Be part of the 08 team. That was the best run. Or even 2010. That was a that was a fun run too. But you cannot miss Terry Rozier. I really want like some of these diehard Celtics fans to kind of take a step back and be like, yeah, we we overdid the cheering there for Terry Rozier. I don't miss him. He's okay, but he's not going to help this team in any way shape or form but with Kemba going pretty cold throughout this entire game minus hitting a a couple back-to-back threes in early in the third quarter how who was going to step up and it was Gordon Hayward Gordon Hayward driving to the basket in this game was huge It, it it is unbelievable how well Gordon Hayward attacks the rim changes directions keeps his head up looks for kick out passes maybe dump-offs, whatever the case may be. But the Celtics, as a team, attacked the rim a lot. The Celtics, last year, on average, drove to the basket 38 times per game. This year, it's 52 times, and they shoot about 23 free throws a game. That's great. That is what I wanted all last year. Attack the rim, go to the free throw line, and look, they're doing it, and they ha- they're they on a seven-game win streak. It's great. Sure, do I wish they could get to the free-throw line maybe a few more times, maybe 26, 27 times? Sure, because some of these guys are reasonable. Kemba is a great free-throw shooter so far this year. Tatum's been better. Jalen Brown went 9 of 10 in the Spurs game from the free-throw line. Who would have thought? Not me, said the blind man. So that was absolutely crazy. Jason Tatum, he had a great game against the Hornets. He, he and something that I noticed in this game, and I and I want it to be a thing, and I think it'd be really huge for this team. But him hitting three pointers off pick and rolls could be huge, absolutely huge. He could have the time lord set a screen. He dribbles over to the left, swings it. I mean, swings it through his body, shoots the three, and it goes in. That'd be awesome. And then that would make the defender decide: Do I want to go under the screener or over the screener? And if you go over, then Tatum can just drive the basket or drive to the basket. And if you're going to go under, he'll shoot it. So I think that will be that will be huge, huge, huge. And earlier in these podcasts this this year, looking back at my notes, I've complained not only last year, but sometimes this year that the Celtics weren't able to really close out quarters well. They did that a lot 
in this Hornets game. They, especially in the second quarter, I believe they went on a 10 or 11-0 run to close out that second quarter, which was great. Another great thing in this game was the Time Lords passing. I'm telling you, it's it's good. It scares me. But some t- some of the passes, you're like, whoa, you're lucky. And some of them are like, you're getting better. And I love, love, love to see that. A couple funny things from the game was Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's a funny dude. Marcus Smart yelled at the Celtics coaching staff. I don't know if he was frustrated about the game. I don't know if he was frustrating with the officials, even though he did say something about the officials after the game and then got five fifteen thousand dollars for saying it. But the fact that Brad Stevens afterwards was like, that's Marcus for you. We trust him. If he needs to yell at us, he can yell at us. And that's where, you know, you're you're glad Brad Stevens is the head coach of this team because other guys might just let these guys yell at the coaches and then they flip out and then it causes like a really bad locker room scene. Now, do I see Jason Tatum yelling at the assistant coaches or Brad Stevens? No, but Marcus Smart has every, he has earned the right to do that. And if Brad respects that, then I respect it. And before we move on to the Spurs game, just a a couple little shout outs. Javante Green, he was great. He finished with 12 points. He played 12 minutes. Shemi only played four minutes. He played very well. He's an athletic freak of nature. He's defending the ball very well. He runs the court well. He gets a little excited when he has the ball, and that's okay. That's going to happen. You know, he's first time in the league. He's only played like two or three games, so I'm perfectly content with that. And then Jalen Brown finally came back uh, against the Hornets. He didn't play against the Cavs. He was been sick for, oh, it was almost like a week that he was sick for. And 32 minutes, 12 points, five boards, fine by me. He, I feel like he wasn't nervous coming back. He didn't look like it was going to mess up the flow of the offense because obviously the starting lineup of Kemba, Smart, Gordon, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice was doing good things, but Jalen stepped right in. Marcus went to the bench, and everyone was happy. The Spurs game. Let's talk about the Spurs game real quick. It it just really sucks that Gordon Hayward fractured his hand because of a LaMarcus Aldridge screen, doesn't it? Doesn't that just, like, you're like, brah. <clears throat> Absolutely unbelievable. But this was actually the first win in San Antonio for the Boston Celtics since 2011. That is eight years ago. The starting lineup for that team, if I remember right, was Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Nikola was it Nikolai or Nicholas Krusik? Krusik, the guy we got in the Thunder trade with Perk, yeah, Krusic, K R U S T I C. I think he was like number four. He literally looked like he was like a fifty-five-year-old mafia guy. Like, yeah, it was re- ridiculous. But anyways, that was the last time the Celtics went down in San Antonio, eight years ago. And to start off the game, the Spurs started off on a 7-0 run, and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we go. And then the Celtics were like, yeah, watch this, hold my beer. They went on a 32-10 to run. They ended up scoring 39 points in the first quarter, which is the most they've scored in a quarter all season long. Jalen Brown was a huge part of that. Jalen Brown went on like a 10-0 run himself after 
the Spurs went on that 7-0 run. He was great. He only took three threes, which I love. Jalen's an okay three-point shooter, but he tacked the rim. He had nice floaters. He found the middle of the lane, found the middle of the key, was taking good jumpers. He shot, he shot like I mentioned earlier, 9 of 10 from the free-throw line. The fact that Jalen Brown got to the free-throw line 10 times is something you want to see. He's athletic. He can finish well. He's strong enough to do those things, so keep attacking the rim. Please, Jalen Brown. Please, 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 please. But, you know, you, you think 39 points. There's This other's going to score like 20 in the second quarter. Not so fast, my friends. Not so fast. They ended up scoring 33 points, and they expanded their lead, which I was like, what is going on here? This is, this is wild. Absolutely wild. And they gave up a lot of second-chance points in the first quarter. I think... They gave up like six offensive rebounds in that first quarter. And then in the second quarter, they only gave up one offensive rebound. Oh, that's great. Like, talk about making adjustments, listening to the coach, realizing what you guys are doing wrong and making sure it doesn't happen again. You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. And the thing that, you know, (sighs) this Gordon Hayward injury, like, hurts. It really does. It, pow, right in the kisser. It it hurts. It hurts real bad. But some of the things that didn't hurt, seeing guys like Javante Green step up. Because Javante Green is now going to get more minutes. He's very athletic. He really and truly is. He can jump so freaking high. He's so fast in fast breaks. He is going to step up big time. He deserves more minutes than Romeo Langford. People who th- say that Romeo Langford's a sharpshooter is hilarious to me because people saw his stat line he was like oh he scored 27 points he was a sharpshooter look at all how he got all of his points layups dunks he went two of six from three he shot 33 percent from three in the g league like come on let's let's move on but javante green is going to be playing a lot of minutes for this basketball team coming up and i'm excited for him and i hope he i hope he excels in it i and, and i really think that he will because there's a couple other guys that have been excelling very well in my opinion. Brad Watermaker is one of them. It was 16 minutes, couple steals, seven points, two or three assists in 16 minutes worth of play. It was great. I I I think Brad Watermaker is a perfectly fine backup point guard. He knows when to attack. He doesn't know when to or he he knows when to attack and when not to attack. He doesn't try and force it, and that's what I love to see. But the player of this game outside of Daniel Tice, because Daniel Tice has been really good this year, and what I'm about to say doesn't mean that Daniel Tice should not be in the starting lineup anymore. I believe that it's who finishes the game, not who starts the game. Daniel Tice should be your starter, and the Time Lord should be your finisher. The Time Lord had his best day in a Boston Celtics uniform. Oh me, oh my. He had some unbelievable dunks some unbelievable blocks some unbelievable just good recognition good basketball iq type plays as you guys know i've been on the time lord train aka robert williams from day one i love the draft pick i was all for it and i feel like i don't want to like get too hype over it but I feel like he's really going in the right direction. People are saying, why isn't he starting? You got to play him 30 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes a game. Let's take it like Usher, nice and slow, okay? It's going to work out. I need Time Lord to peak 
and be really solid come the playoffs, not in November. Okay? Like, him and Tice both played 22 minutes, and Cantor's not even back yet. So that could change a lot of things for the Time Lord and for Daniel Tice too. But for Daniel Tice to have six blocks, seven rebounds, and 11 points in one game (laughs) off the bench, that's exactly what you want. And then Tice can give you a little bit, and Cantor can give you a little bit. That's all you're going to want, and it's all you're going to need. So I'm all for it. I am absolutely, positively all for it. Now that we have recapped what happened in that great three-game road trip, let's talk about the upcoming week for the Boston Celtics. They got two home games. The first one, Monday night at 7.30 against the Dallas Mavericks with no Dirk. That's just weird. No Dirk Nowitzki. That is so bizarre, so weird, so uncomfortable for me. And if my buddy Dave is listening, he's probably not because he hates me. Shout out to my buddy Dave. The Mavs are pretty good, folks. Like, no joke. They, I believe they won on the road against the Grizzlies the other night, which means they have not lost on the road this year. They've beaten the Warriors. They've beaten the Cavs. They've beaten the Wizards, the Pelicans. They did lose to the Knicks. And they, before that loss against the Knicks, they had the NBA's best-rated offense. Yikes. That's not a good look for the Celtics, especially going down with Hayward. So this this could be a high-scoring affair unless the Celtics really buckle down and play some defense. And the person they have to focus on is Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, he's not even 21 years old yet, a European sensation. He now has 11 triple-doubles in his career. He's had I think three or four triple-doubles this year alone. He had a triple-double against LeBron and the Lakers, the Cavs, the Knicks. I think he got one against the Grizzlies on Saturday night. He's averaging about 28 points, 10 boards, and 9 assists a game. And people are talking about maybe MVP. But, uh, okay, let's let's go. But it's going to be interesting. Who is going to guard Luka? Is it going to be Kemba? Is it going to be Marcus Smart? Is it going to be Jalen Brown? It's really it's going to be interesting to see how they match everyone up with Luka. It 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 really and truly is. But you also have to remember the Mavericks have KP6, Kristaps Porzingis, who is finally back from his injury. He I think he missed about a year and a half worth of basketball. He got traded from the Knicks or yeah, a big trade from the Knicks to the Mavs. He's playing pretty well so far. He's scoring 20 points a game, 8 boards, 2.6 blocks. But hopefully that doesn't slow down the Celtics. Hopefully that makes them still want to attack the rim 52 times on average like they have this year. I would love the Celtics to really get Porzingis in foul trouble, make him work defensively because I feel like he's one of those guys that me. I don't want to say he takes a a load off when he plays defense, but... I feel like he really focuses on the offensive side. So if you can wear him out defensively, I think that will be big. Their bench is pretty good too. J.J. Barea, he's playing some great basketball. He went to Northeastern. Every single time J.J. Barea scores a basket at TD Garden, you always hear that little extra cheer because I'm sure some of his former classmates are there. Tim Hardaway Jr., for some odd reason, always plays against the Celtics. But sometimes, outside of those two guys, their bench cannot be found. Their bench has hurt them so far this year. And that's something that I'm worried about the Celtics as well. The Celtics bench this year hasn't been that productive. It's a little nerve-wracking that now that we have someone like Gordon Hayward who 
has scored you know 20 or more points in four out of eight or five out of eight games whatever the the, the number is is no is out who is going to step up you because right now you barely have anyone who can produce by just playing like eight or nine minutes a game because one of these starters or one of your top seven guys needs a break so that's going to be very interesting so this game could be won by slowing down Luca not being afraid of uh, KP6 Chris Pass Chris Pass Przingas that's a mouthful thank god I have my microphone protector anyways but the bench the bench is going to be huge in this game then Wednesday night 730 TD Garden the Washington Wizards and Mr. No Thank You himself, Isaiah Thomas, comes to town. And before I break down this game a little bit, it'll be a quick breakdown. I love Bradley Beal. I always have and I always will. And I know I may not love him as much as Jason Tatum because him and Jason Tatum grow up in the same town. They're high, they're like high school buddies. Bradley Beal, ugh. I would love for him to be on the Celtics. Every single Bradley Beal to a Celtics rumor, I died inside just because I was so happy. If that happened, that would have been great. Now, we obviously wouldn't probably have Jalen Brown, maybe Marcus Smart. So, you know, I'll take a seven-game win streak over Bradley Beal any day of the week. But Bradley Beal ever wanted to come to the Celtics. I would literally pick you up at the airport and drive you to the Red Auerbach Center in Brighton to make you sign that contract. Guy averages like 26 points a game, six and a half assists a game, a steal or two a game. He's great. What's not great is the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards are not a very good basketball team. They're really not at all. And it also kind of starts with their starting point guard, this guy named Isaiah Thomas, you know, a guy that doesn't thank other people for buying his family breakfast but he's had some really bipolar shooting nights since he's become the starter for this Washington Wizards team he shot 42 percent 33 percent 30 percent and then 55 percent so that's interesting we know that IT hates long defenders on him so does Brad put Kemba on Bradley Beal and then they put Jalen Brown on Isaiah Thomas because you know let's not forget what the Cleveland Cavaliers did to Isaiah Thomas the Eastern Conference Finals where what are they winning five games or was that four games in 2000 what was that 16 17 anyways they put like J.R. Smith on him they just like put longer defenders on him and it threw him off and he didn't play that great and I understand he had his hip issue and all that but like you put a longer defender on Isaiah Thomas, someone that's long, lengthy, and athletic. Like, hell, maybe even like Javante Green. I know that may be too hot of a take, but he's long, athletic. He's a reasonable defender. Could really throw him off for a loop. Maybe maybe that will happen. Someone that the Celtics will have to take, you know, keep their eye on is Thomas Bryant. He's someone that can easily get you like 14 or 15 rebounds in a game. They also have that rookie from Gonzaga, Roy, I I can't pronounce his name, Hachimura, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's been rebounding the ball pretty well too. The Wizards are are, are a tough team. They're kind of like the, the Hornets. They're a tough team. They play hard. They can be streaky, but it should be an easy win for the Boston Celtics. With that being said, the Wizards will have four days off before this game, so they will be well-rested, ready to go. So it'll be interesting to see. How Brad plays all these guys, especially for this before this five-game road trip happens. You know, is he going to keep Kemba and Tatum and Brown under 30 minutes, kind of like what he did in the Hornets game, where 
all those guys average like between Gordon and Kemba and Jalen and um, Jason, they all played like under 30 minutes, which is great because they needed to be ready to go for the Spurs, and they were because they beat the Spurs by 20 for the first time in eight years down there. Now, oh, I said now again. Everyone freak out. The West Coast road trip, it begins. They play the Warriors, the Kings, the Suns, the Kings and the Suns, back-to-back games, the Clippers, and the Denver Nuggets. The first game is against the Golden State Warriors. And folks, the Golden State Warriors are not very good this year. The Kings are whatever. The Suns have been ridiculous this year. They Aaron Baines is literally like the greatest center of the like ever. He's playing out of his mind. Devin Booker always torches the Boston Celtics. So, but we'll we'll break that down that more, you know, next week like the Clippers game. Will they give Kawhi another load management night off? There's been rumors that Paul George might be returning. So that will be interesting. The Nuggets beat the 76ers at the buzzer. The Celtics never play well in Denver in any way, shape, or form. Remember last year when Kyrie threw the ball into the stands in Denver because Jamal Murray went off for like 50 points. But let's focus just on this week's games. The Golden State Warriors, the Chase Center, brand new arena, no Draymond Green most likely. Steph Curry broke his hand. Klay Thompson torn ACL. D'Angelo Russell dropped 52 points the other night for this team, and they still lost the game, which is absolutely crazy. So you you think, am I going to stay up for a 10-30 Celtics game on a Friday night to see no Steph Curry, no Draymond Green, and no Klay Thompson? I don't know. Probably not. But I'll be watching. And things that I'll be looking out for, minus D'Angelo Russell dropping 52 points and then losing the game, is how bad the Golden State Warriors defenses. They're allowing 123 points a game. The Celtics are allowing 102 points per game. So if you play good defense in this game and you can score the basketball against their crappy defense, you're going to be perfectly fine. With that being said, they do take care of the ball. They have the 10 least amount of turnovers per game in the NBA, and the Celtics are in the top three. So that's interesting. That's very interesting to see. So they suck at defense, but they take care of the ball. Kind of like what the Cavs did. So as long as you don't let them stay in this game and you force some turnovers, you should be good. When you think of the Golden State Warriors, obviously you think of three-point shooting, but with Clay out and Steph out, they're going about 10 for 32 per game. Now, I'm not saying that's terrible <clears throat> because the Celtics are 12 of 34 on average per game, but... It's still pretty bad for the Golden State Warriors to go 10 for 32 because that's kind of like their offense. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell is going to get his. Then you have someone like Alec Burks. He'll probably get 15 or 16 points in this game. But you got to control Pascal. He'll be on the boards. He had a he's had, he had a great game last week. He's been solid for them. Willie Colley Stein, you know, kind of like the Time Lord, but I think the Time Lord's a little bit better. But Willie Colley Stein is has been in the league for a while he'll be good marquise marquise chris he's very good as well i think i've always wanted him if the celtics signed him over the offseason i wouldn't have been upset with it he played for the rockets for a little bit i think he where did he go to school did he go to washington i think he went to the university of washington but this should be an easy win don't go into it thinking that it's going to be an easy win but it should be an easy win and 
before we end the podcast, we'll talk about the Sacramento Kings game. 3.30 p.m. on Sunday. I think the Patriots are the Sunday night football game. Are they? Maybe it's a 425 game, so maybe you can watch the Celtics and then the Pats, or then the Pats and the Celtics. If you're a Patriots fan, I know I am. You know, because I'm from Boston, kid. You know, wicked pissa. But the Sacramento Kings, they've been disappointing this this season. I, I, I was really high on them. I thought they would be really great, um, but they just haven't. Now, it doesn't help that Marvin Bagley Jr. has only played one game for them. He hurt his thumb. He'll probably miss another two or three weeks. So as a dookie, I hope he does well and recovers well because Marvin Bagley Jr. could be a really good player in the NBA. Absolutely. Whew. What do the Kings do well? What do the Kings not do well? Well, they have the eighth least amount of points per game, and they're but they are shooting a better field goal percentage than the Celtics. So they're not scoring a lot of points, but the shots that they're taking are good because they're falling. Uh, they you know they do have some shooters that can be very streaky, which can be scary at times, you know. And hopefully we catch them on an off day. Harrison Barnes, super streaky shooter. He's always been a streaky shooter, whether he was playing for the Golden State Warriors back in the day, whether he was playing for the Dallas Mavericks when he signed that big contract, or now when playing for the Sacramento Kings. He was even a streaky shooter when he was playing for the University of North Carolina. He's always been a streaky shooter, but he healed. He got his big contract extension just a, a couple days before Jalen Brown did because they were drafted in the same class. Again, but he healed. Streaky, streaky shooter, but he could be, could be good. One thing that the Sacramento Kings do suck at, oh my God, they average 30 defensive rebounds per game. That's it. They suck at rebounding. So attack the offensive glass. If they're averaging 30 defensive turnovers, let's say the average NBA team gets eight offensive rebounds a game. Okay, that means they're only getting about 38 rebounds a game. That's like what the Celtics did last year, and the Celtics sucked at rebounding. So go attack the rim, all five players. Time Lord, hopefully Cantor will be back at that point because Jesus, I feel like he's been out for like six months, and it's only been like two weeks. Tice, Jalen, Jason, Kemble, everyone just attack the rim because they're not a very good defensive rebounding team. Go, 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 go. One player, just like Marquise. Chris, that I've always liked, but on the Sacramento Kings, is Rashawn Holmes. He is a rebound machine. I feel like he's the type of guy that can get 12 and 10 against the Celtics, and it's going to piss us all off. All of his points will probably be second chance points. He's the type of guy that can give the Celtics issues. He's very athletic, like the Time Lord. Not as tall, but he's thick. And he he can be physical in the post. But I, I, I really think the Celtics could go 3-1 and one this week. Or 4-0 this week. I really and truly do. I think they can beat the Warriors. The Kings game will probably be the second toughest game. I know they can beat the Wizards. But the Mavericks game, Monday night, TD Garden, 7.30 against Luka, KP6, and the Mavs will be the toughest game of the week. But no Cantor banter this week because Ennis Cantor is still out with his knee. Contusion. Hopefully he is scrimmaging. He is practicing with the team. And we don't have, really have to rush him back. You know, this 7-1 and one start is a blessing in disguise. And hopefully we can talk about maybe an 11-1 and one start. Maybe, oh, I don't know, a 10-2. and 9-3 and three I'd be pretty upset about. But hopefully next week on episode 56 of the Banner Banter Podcast, we'll be talking more good things about a ridiculously great start from the Boston Celtics. Thank you so much for listening. Again, Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18, Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Thank you again for your service currently 
and in the past. We'll talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Oh, and if you're ever at a game, swing by at TD Garden. Swing by section 315, row 15. You'll see me. I'll be there. Swing by. Say hi. We'll talk. We'll we'll talk Boston Celtics basketball. We'll got and uh, anything else you want to talk about. Cool. Talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.